Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the First Focus podcast from Clients First. My name is Ellen Adams and I'm a client strategist here. I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast today as it's the first episode of our new series dedicated to helping businesses within financial services reach success through digital and content. We'll be talking about the steps you'll need to consider along the way. So to get started, we're going to be delving into the importance of brand guidelines and how you can get your team to stick to them. Joining me are Lee Robertson, who we're excited to announce has joined us as an advisor to the board. He's also the founder and CEO of Octa Members Group. I've also got with me our very talented head of design, Adam Taylor. Welcome, Lee and Adam. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Thanks for joining me today. You get okay? All good, thank you. Yes, pleasure to be here. Yeah, sun is shining. Good. Yeah, glad it is there, Lee, because it's not here. It's very grey and miserable in Staffordshire. <laughs> it's very grey and miserable here too. Well, that's the south coast for you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So before we get into it, can we talk about your roles, very different roles um, in the business and how brand plays a part? I'll start with you firstly. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I'm the chief exec of Octo, which is a private social network for people across the financial services ecosystem. So having been an advisor of some sort or other for 30 years and running my own practice for 18, I sold it probably two and a half years ago now to scratch the itch, which was content um, and delivering the sort of content that advisors actually want, as opposed to just what was foisted on them. So that's kind of where I am. And I'm really excited to be be asked to, to contribute in some small way to clients first. Brilliant. And Adam, over to you. Yeah, so yeah, very different role from my perspective. Um, So I'm head of design at Clients First. So what does that mean? It means I look after the design team. I look after the copy team as well. So it's the creative output of the agency for all of our clients, basically. So anything that's visual, the written word, and and also, I guess, you know, from from our own brand perspective as well, from a Clients First perspective. Yeah, I kind of, I'm I'm the go-to person for anything visual, really. Oh, great. It's it's great to have you both on board to discuss this topic from different perspectives, I guess, and and great to have you part of the team, Lee. Thank you. So when we talk about brand guidelines, then, what are they? What do they include? Why are they important for businesses? And I'll, I'll go to you first, Adam, for this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're the vital foundation for the the core brand. So, you know, a lot of people think, what is a brand? Is it just a logo? No, it's not just it's not just your logo. It's the it's your values from within the business that have led to create that brand. It's everything that's centered around it. It's how your people talk, how they interact with your clients. It's everything um, right down to the granular things in terms of the, the color palette that the brand uses, your, your imagery type. You know, so do you, do you use illustration? Do you use photography? Do you use uh, stock imagery? Um, it's all those kind of things that when they all kind of come together, they're pulled together in a, in a brand guideline document or a style guide so that anybody who comes new to the business or anybody who's got to be producing some form of communication on behalf of the business 
knows what these set of rules are, what font they should be using, what point size of the font they should be using on a on a letterhead, for example, or a, or a you know a, a mailer. So it, it's 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 everything, um, and that's what's contained within a good set of brand guidelines. Thanks, Adam. I think just from my perspective, I've seen brand guidelines that are one pages span into about 70 pages long <laughs> yeah yeah they can i mean they can be as detailed or as generic as you want them to be really but fundamentally the the, the desired output of them is to create consistency in anything that's produced on behalf of that brand if that makes sense so vital really and lee do you use brand guidelines in the way that we've described them or, or is, it, is it different in any way uh, yeah, we do use them. Um, I mean, I had them in my practice because I, I'm a bit of a detail guy and I got rather fed up with seeing slides that have been built at the whim of someone where the logo wasn't on or the colours weren't right or people had chosen a, a font that they particularly liked as opposed to our font and stuff like that. So we had them and we worked really hard on them. And then setting up Octo two and a half years ago, we had the opportunity with a clean sheet of paper. So I, I do believe in them. And I, I I love this line. I don't know who said it, but sort of brand is your silent ambassador. You know, it's 24-7 and it should always be there and always be consistent. So I, I think they're really important. That's great. So when we talk about what role does a brand play, that silent ambassador role or you know, consistency role to to make sure that everything's going out correctly, that's really important then from a guidelines perspective, is it? I, I would say so. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm the first to admit I'm an amateur at this, you know, I'm self-taught, etc. But I think small firms can look much more polished and much, much more of a scale by having a consistent look. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. To be fairly, that if anything, the smaller the business, the and you know, if it's a startup, for example, then that's it's really important to kind of work from the ground up and set those foundations in place. As you just mentioned, Lee, about you know, if somebody's putting a presentation together and they want to use font X over font Y because of their personal preference, the guidelines will state, no, don't do that, and these are the reasons why. So. Yeah, the bigger the organisation, the more people are involved in kind of creation of stuff for a brand, then that's where the, the more confusion can potentially come. But, you know, start early and, start and get everybody on board with your brand and your the application of the brand from the guidelines. And then you kind of, you, you're onto a winner, really. Thanks, Adam. And we've talked about aesthetics there. So fonts, colours, messaging to an extent. How does a brand or guidelines reflect the values and culture of a business? Is it important to have that in there? I think so, yeah. I think that a brand's been intercepted from somewhere. So the name has been derived from somewhere. The reason for the business being, you know, it's come from somewhere. So whatever those core values are that are within that group of individuals that have started that business or or part of that business, they will be ingrained within the the business. You know, there's a thing called a brand pyramid and the values are play heavily into that. So it's, it is, like I said, it's not just a color or a font or a logo or an image. It's everything from how somebody interacts with the client, how somebody picks the phone up and what they say and how they say it through to you know, when, when you kind of sense checking an email before you send it out to, to, to somebody, does this look like it's coming from our brand? Not just because you've got the branded email signature, but what am I saying within this email to kind of portray our values and portray our culture? You know, if you kind of interact online with, I don't know, uh, say, well, I've done it recently, actually, with, um, with, with an energy supplier on live chat. And I've had several conversations with several different people, but there's been a consistency to it. And it's that touch point that's, that creates that kind of, 
that warmness to the brand as well. Because if you if anything kind of jars with you, you'll remember something that's a negative over a positive. So the values and the culture of the business need to kind of ooze from the brand, really. I, I really agree there. I mean, what does the brand stand for? You know, what's its focus? Why does it exist? And I, I think that can all be wrapped up in the brand and branding. Absolutely. And I think that's the starting point for anyone considering either establishing a brand or refreshing a brand. It, it's, you know, what do we actually do? Who do we serve? What do we want to become known for? Yeah, I, I think that conversation happens a lot with our clients who are within financial services, doesn't it? And the kind of experience that they want to give their existing clients and how they want to communicate to the industry and to prospective clients. I think whenever we do any any piece of work with financial services firm, we really need to get under the skin about who these people are and what they want to represent. That's really important part of our conversation, isn't it, at outset? Yeah, definitely. Any kind of brand piece of work, be it, you know, from a full rebrand or through to kind of evolving a brand, I can't stress the level of importance of getting under the skin of the brand. So speaking with that, with the brand themselves, so individuals from within the business, the leadership team, the kind of hands-on staff, right through to speaking with their clients as well, because what what we're after is is a consistency from what the client's perception of the business and the brand is. And also an internal viewpoint as well. So it's really important that those two align because if they don't, then that's that's where we've got a problem. Like I say, whenever we embark upon a on a brand journey, let's call it, we'll always want to kind of speak with as many people as possible and get under the skin and find out what it is that makes that business tick from a from a cultural perspective and a values perspective. Uh, and that's where the the real magic happens. Really, that's where the uniqueness happens. I agree, Adam. I mean, it's. It's interesting. Clients, customers, however we term them, are becoming very, very savvy. You know, we work, we work in a, or we exist now in a, in a system where we're constantly reviewed. We're asked to review things. You can't walk through a, an airport. Do you remember those days when you could walk through an airport? You're asked to rate how the service was when you took your belt and shoes off. We're constantly under review. And if you're promoting values in your brand that you don't live up to, it can be quite catastrophic. We all know of businesses that have done this and, and really come a cropper on it. So I think it is incredibly important to not just explore and establish what the values are, but actually live up to them. Yeah. And how important is it that the brand essence or ethos is communicated to the whole team as opposed to just the leadership team? How important is that? It's massively important. Everybody's got to be singing from that same hymn sheet, you know, in terms of what to do and what not to do. So even kind of simple things, like I mentioned previously about an email signature. So if somebody hasn't got an email signature, they're in touch internally with somebody from from the business or externally to a customer or client, and they haven't got their email signature on or they've changed the font on there to something a bit more bespoke for them, then that's where inconsistencies start and that's where the brand starts to kind of almost crumble slowly. But um, yeah, it's massively important that everybody's aware of what they should be doing in terms of how how they're applying the brand. But also it's just a good reference point. You know, it's 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 the Bible for the brand, you know, and if there's a slightly different color being used on a on one piece of, of communication over another, then that's where it can just start to look a bit amateurish. And again, you know, Lee mentioned at the start of the conversation about how a smaller business, if they're it, the importance of setting the brand kind of guidelines in place, if they start to, you know, kind of set off on the wrong foot, then it's never going to work, unfortunately, because the brand will just be kind of not respected, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and and you know the the question about I, I agree, Adam. Everyone should own the brand. You know, everyone should be comfortable with it. Everyone should understand what it stands for. But there's no harm in having a brand champion. Now, in in my practice, I was a brand champion, and I'm a bit of a tartar with that kind of stuff. Um, I hate finding slide decks that are being used that you know don't reflect and 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 was was forever having a little chip at people. But actually, it doesn't take long in a small team to get everyone aligned. Uh, particularly nowadays with the sort of tool sets that are around software. You know, you can build brand guidelines online for a couple of dollars. Or there's all sorts of ways that you can monitor it. You know, you're, you're, you set up your, your mailers, you set up your email signatures, you set, up, you set up your font as the default font. There's all sorts of ways you can do it. But I, I think, to go back to the original question, Ellen, it is crucial that the whole team understand the brand and why it has to be used in the way it's used. Yeah, and... Where do we draw the line? Because, you know, we don't want to be rigid. We we advocate here that things should change and evolve with, with trends and, you know, client expectations now. People are more open and relaxed, I'd say. So, you know, how rigid do we need to be with the guidelines? They're just a guide, aren't they? Yeah, they're called brand guidelines, not brand rules. Um, I mean, there are some rules within there that need to be adhered to in terms of font, color, logo, style, etc. They kind of fundamentals. Every brand, as every business, should be constantly evolving and and changing with the times, and you know, um, and improving more so than anything really. So, a guideline document is just that. It's a, a set of guides for somebody, for a business, for a brand, for an individual within that business to use to apply that branding successfully to whatever medium it is they are producing, if that makes sense. So be it a slide deck or an email or whatever it may be. Um, but yes, they, they, they are, they're set in place, but they are there to be evolved. You know, as, as digital grows in any organization, there'll be the need for a new application. So, you know, a business might suddenly want to adopt a video um, as, 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 a, as a means of communications with their clients. So, okay, how do we apply the brand to the video? Is it an illustrative video? Do we apply the brand colors to it? Do we have subtitles within it that need to be our brand font? So the fundamentals are there. They'll just need to, it's, it's how they're applied and how they're evolved in the piece of work that is, that's being produced, basically. Yeah, I, I think, you know, all brands should be iterative. It should evolve it should be dynamic i mean that, that i think that's quite a nice word but the dynamism in the brand should be based on you know either the founders or a collective decision to evolve it not individual sort of udi where people just make a decision that they like this particular font over that one so i i, I agree with adam completely that it should be dynamic they should evolve i mean at octo i i use instagram for enough i'm quite visual so i use instagram for Octo is a little bit of a skunk works for us, and I play around a bit with colours and fonts and things over there. But but realise that it you know it's a small audience, and I can do that, and it, it helps me begin to think about how I might take a brand in a slightly different direction. But as Adam says, there are guidelines, they're not rules, but it should be a collective decision um, or a, a considered decision to evolve a brand as opposed to people just getting to do what they think works for them colour wise. Yeah, so I guess it's a reference point back to you know it almost a kind of a checklist for want of a better way of putting it to say okay well yes have we used the correct i don't know i keep, keep going on about color and font but have we used the correct color and, and font um but if the message is different and the medium's different then that's where the evolution can can start and can carry on really thanks guys and in terms of team members maybe not adopting the brand or uh, living those brand values 
what would you recommend, you know, the best way to for those team members to engage in the brand and to become a brand ambassador? I think the ideal um, scenario is that every employee is a brand ambassador. Is that right? They, they really do have to be. I think to answer you the, the first part of your question, Alan, um, in terms of how do we bring the team on board and, and take them on that journey and, and educate them. You know, as, as an example, so we, we're currently working with, a, with, with an IFA firm and we're rebranding them, a pretty big IFA firm, and we've, we've brought the whole team on that whole journey. Um, and it's been over some months in terms of, you know, the exploration, the discovery phase uh, of the project itself right through to through to the delivery of it um and the wider team has been involved from from day one and because it gets conversations going it get they they, they question they ask oh why why are we doing that and what's this for and oh how could i do this and it's those conversations that need to be had so i guess at the moment clients first are that are, are the brand ambassador for the client and as a, almost a kind of a handover point we'll always be there for them obviously but there's almost a handover point just for that group that 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 team um, from the client side to say right well you know you are the brand ambassadors now kind of you know let, let's let, let's make it live and breathe in the organization yeah I, I couldn't disagree with anything there everyone should be a brand ambassador whether they're client facing or not they, they should understand conceptually what the brand is about you know what the what the business does why it does it how it does it when it does it you know and that it really does care about its clients and I think so everyone should be a brand ambassador 100% thanks guys and how do we protect the brand? I think, Lee, I remember you telling me a story about um, clients visiting the firm and they had to walk through um, an office of, of team members and you're quite, you know, conscious about that. But, you know, scenarios like that, how how do we need to react to those and to protect brand or do we go with the flow a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I mean that really quickly. That story um, for listeners was that we sublet our offices on Lombard Street in the City of London from a from a, a small private German bank, and we we did I did deal with them that we could use their rather beautiful meeting rooms. They had a, a nice meeting room and a, and a and a gorgeous boardroom. So and they never used them, so we used them a lot um, until until their compliance department visited from Germany and decided we shouldn't be using them. So I felt a bit aggrieved. We had two meeting rooms up in our main office, but we used them for staff meetings more than anything. Um, and the situation was that clients were going to have to come into the office and they were going to have to see the working office before they went into either of our two internal meeting rooms. And I was a little bit exercised about this because I rather liked the brand feel of, of um, and incontinently the colours weren't far away from ours either, but downstairs. But clients, and I worried about it, and clients didn't. And clients said, actually, we prefer coming into the main office. We sort of felt we came in off the street shown into a nice room and then we shown back onto the street whereas now we get to see the team and meet the team and walk through the office um and say hello and so I, I think you can be too rigid it goes back to adam's point earlier about not being too rigid and you shouldn't worry if your brand stands up to scrutiny however that is and part of your brand is your people so if if clients can meet people in that way then that that works really well so i mean that that's the short story i i over worried about the brand i suppose at that point and the feedback we got from clients was they would much rather meet all the people all the time when they came to the office yeah that's lovely i think just reflecting on that involving the people in the brand and as well as the the colors the logos and the aesthetics it's it's more than just you know what's on a piece of paper and, and messaging statements isn't it it it's the whole experience yeah yeah it's, it's the culture the experience the interaction yeah absolutely 
So just before we go then, one last question. If if you had one piece of, of branding advice for our listeners out there, what would that be? I'll come to you firstly. It would be to start before you think about the brand, start, start to think about your purpose. You know, and even businesses that have been established for a while, their, their purpose can kind of adapt and modify and iterate over the years as their client you know, as their client bank matures or, or whatever the iteration is. So I, I always say I would always recommend starting before even getting to the brand part, thinking about your culture, thinking about who you serve, thinking about the service that you want to offer and what you want to be known for and that you absolutely stand for. Uh, and I think that's a great place to start. The rest of it's logistics. Um, but that's, the, for me, would be the driving the driving element of any brand, would be the culture and what it stands for, and to, to get that done first before anything else. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, to be fairly. What, what I was going to say is almost the output of that. So once you've got you, once you've got that, who are we, what are we, how do we do that, how do we do things, how do we op- operate, you then go on to, okay, well, what's our look and feel? Because that will come from from that. I guess if, if I were to answer your question, Alan, you know, one piece of advice, it's difficult to pinpoint one, to be fair. So I'm going to say consistency with evolution as a, as a statement um it, it, you know consistency in the brand application and and how it's it's used and how it comes from within the organization or business but also evolution because you don't want to be standing still you want to be pushing the boundaries either like we said at the start the brand guidelines are there to be adhered to but you know you, you can push them you can push the boundaries you can evolve them you can you know if they stand still then the business will stand still uh, and vice versa so yeah evolution with consistency would be my advice I really like that statement consistency with evolution and I think that's maybe more of a mindset thing for uh, people who may be slightly more um, protective over their brand potentially yeah I mean there's nothing wrong with being protective you know like as Lee mentioned you know he was the ultimate brand ambassador for for his business um, and that's completely normal but everybody almost everybody has to be like that but every, you kind of always got to be kind of forward thinking as well in terms of for example if we don't want the logo to look like it's from the 1980s you know, if you look at any big brand, if you look at the Coca-Cola brand, for example, it's evolved and tweaked and, and and got better over time. And it's got and it's changed with the times as well. You know, we're in a digital era and things have to change and have to be kind of constantly moving forward. So it's, it's an interesting topic. It certainly is. And there's, there's a lot to it, isn't there? There is. Yes, I think we've only scratched the surface today. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole series in here, isn't there? Probably, yeah. It's uh, listen. I, I mean, the final thing I would say is that I, I think we, when I think of my time as a financial planner and leading a financial planning practice, you're incredibly busy. You're doing client work all day, every day, meeting them, greeting them, you know, doing the reports, doing the advice, whatever it happens to be. And I, I think the way just how far financial planning brands in particular have come over the last few years is just staggering. You know, they have limited resources, limited time, limited budget, but those who have committed to doing it and getting it right, there are some superb brands out there now in financial planning and and all power to their elbow. There really are. And and, um, I hope that anyone listening today that is starting to think about their brand or are setting up a new business or evolving theirs has, have taken some, Um, insights away from you both thank you so much for your time today lee and adam it's it's been really useful to chat through everything brand and guidelines great stuff yeah likewise
It's been good. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you. We should do it again, Alan. We definitely should. Our thanks again to Lee and Adam for their contribution to our new podcast, First Focus. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you have enjoyed it, do keep an eye out for future episodes coming out bi-weekly. And thanks once again for listening. And we look forward to you tuning in next time.